I want to talk this morning about the danger of isolation. This is a picture here of a loon. I wanted a duck on a pond and we couldn't find one, so this is the closest we could get. Uh, if you come from uh, like upper Wisconsin, upper Minnesota, you're familiar with loons. They make a phenomenal call out in the wild if you've ever heard it. It's a, an amazing sound. And uh, we want to talk about the danger of uh, being a lone ranger this morning, danger of you're your only posse. Nobody rides with you and you hold everything close. Nobody gets your cards. We, I want to talk about that. Uh, and get us to think about that. So last week we were talking about the tension between fear and faith. And what we said was that this fall has to be entered into with faith just like any other fall that's ever existed. And that the important things is that we'd stay centered and anchoring our faith on the promises and actions of Jesus. As we see him, as he tells us what to do, we take the steps and we do them. One of the more interesting ironies in our culture is that our culture now has, uh, and I mentioned this a little bit, but privatized or individualized faith. Oh, you have faith? Well, okay, that's okay. Um, Just keep it to yourself, though, because that's not a public forum issue. So if you want to do that, uh, go ahead. Um, If you want to believe in that kind of stuff and leave your brain at the door, well, just check out and we'll let you, sorry for you. And so it's put off in a cubbyhole. But, you know, faith will not stay in that box. Faith ruptures out of that box all the time. And what's interesting is that, as a matter of fact, anytime faith erupts in a group of people, just think through church history, think through the Bible, think through New Testament, think the stories you know, think of people you've met, Anytime that uh, faith erupts in a group of people, they immediately form small groups and share a very intense form of community. They pull together. They've got to talk about it. They've got to spend time. They've got to share. Uh, Jesus had his community group. Remember these guys? Now, obviously, this is a painting of the group, right? It's a very famous painting. That's probably not actually what they look like. But they were a community group. They held together for three years. And uh, they walked with Jesus for three years. When Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead, and then persecution, they were all scattered. And what did they do? They formed new community groups. And that's all of what you read in the book of Acts and all you read in the New Testament are letters and epistles to all these other groups that broke out and found each other and started to have faith together and started to share what we would call life on life, Right? And that still happens today. This would be a, a modern rendition of that, right? This is what it looked like today. But we get together all the time like this. And we spend time together talking and sharing and uh, expressing what faith looks like. And uh, so when it comes to uh, groups, what we want to do at, at Norfew is say, look, do not spend life alone. Do not be isolated. That's not a good place to be. And I'll give you some reasons this morning why that's not a good place to be. But I want to give you some scripture first. Now, don't write these down. Write, you can write the uh, reference down if you want. But listen to what these verses say about community. Just catch the flow. That's what I want is the flow and tone this morning. In Acts 2, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. 
What did they do? They got together. They had to talk about it. They ate together. They found out what the Bible study was for that morning. Then after they got done, they prayed. Right? They were compelled to get together. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Great place to rejoice in a small group. Aim for restoration. Isn't that a great idea? By the way, isn't it true that a lot of restoration takes place in the context of a community group? Right? Because it doesn't happen here. It happens in the context of a small group. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Where is that experience? In community. Uh, that's the place where it takes. Ephesians 4 says this, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, for whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. In other words, all the pieces are needed. Okay? There's, there's no such thing as, oh, you're the big toe. You're not needed. All, right? all the pieces are needed. First uh, Corinthians says we are the body and we're all dependent on each other. Have you ever looked at someone in the body and went, why did Jesus recruit them? Why do we need somebody like them in the kingdom? We don't need a big toe. There's enough big toes. Right? And then you realize it's the person you married. Oh man, Lord, I have to love them. You're supposed to laugh at that point. No, you didn't get it. Okay. Right? And you go, oh! This issue of being in community and loving is a tough one for us. John 13 says, A new commandment I give to you that you have love for one another. By the way, pause, stop. How good are we at loving each other? Right? It's a struggle, isn't it? Sometimes, love, I don't even like you. Love, I don't even want to be in the same room with you. Oh my gosh, Lord, you have got to give me love for that person. Have you ever thought about that? To ask God, think of the most irritating person in the world right now. I don't know who that is. I hope it's not me. But if it is, dear Jesus, give me your love for Pastor Steve because he's irritating the heck out of me right now. All right? It's amazing how you recognize what God can give in situations like this. It's an incredible deal. He says, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. There's a lot of things that are essential to the Christian life. You have to have the Bible. You have to have the Word. The Word's absolutely foundational. We go nowhere without it. But it does not say that the world will know you're my disciples by the truth that you have among each other. It does say you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's us. It doesn't say the world will recognize that. They don't recognize the Bible as the truth. What's the way they recognize there's something going on among us that's unique and different? What they recognize is our love for one another. That's what they recognize. That's what they should run into when they come into this building. They should run into this sense of there's something going on here. There is a sense of something here. This is different. Why? I've not experienced this in a long time. Where's that coming from? All people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Which brings us then to the topic for today. Because what we're saying is don't do life alone, but it is tempting to isolate. Uh, Jim Hayes was, uh, spoke at our church, and uh, here's a picture of 
the guys at the retreat this year. And one of the things that was astounding about the retreat this year was the small groups. They just rocked. They just took off. And like there was a certain set of time, like 40 minutes, you're supposed to be in your small group. And you know how you try to come up with something. Okay, 40 minutes, good, we're out. That didn't happen this year. Uh, they went way over and ran in. All kinds of discussion was happening. And matter of fact, Rob and I were trying to leave Saturday night. And uh, and there was a group in his room and he had left his keys in his room and we kept going, okay, are they going to end? An hour and a half later, they still hadn't ended. And Rob's going, should I go break in there? I No, don't go in there. And what was funny about that is that Zeb was in that group in that room. And he was in the group with Steve Doton. And he didn't know Steve Doton was an elder. So he's in the group pouring his heart out in the group. And then he gets out and he goes, dudes, do you know that dude's an elder? I just shared my guts. Oh, no. <laughs> it was hilarious. They had an incredible conversation this year at the group. And I know that the same thing happens at the, at the women's retreat. They get, tell a testimony. They break into groups and boom, right? All this conversation breaks out. It's just an incredible thing. Well, Jim, uh, as he was talking, Jim Hayes, that's John's dad and uh, my beloved buddy, uh, he taught great job this year. Man, that was good. And um, he was pointing out that many of us are like this loon out in the middle of a lake. We not only like our isolation, but he went on to point out, especially guys, he was talking to men at this point, he said, we actually prefer it. And why do we prefer it? Well, let's, uh, let's look at some things. You know, Simon and Garfunkel sang this song, right? I, if you remember that, you're old. But I'm a rock, I'm an island, and a rock feels no pain, and an island never cries. By the way, how unreal and false is that? That, that is just, I mean, trust me, I grew up with the World War II generation that tried to live that out, and it was, they failed miserably. Makes for a great song, does not make for a great lifestyle. All right? The idea behind this kind of thinking is that relationship is optional. Not okay, you might need some, but it's really not, it's not like vitamins, right? Uh, you, if you get some, fine. If you don't, it's okay too. Uh, but actually it can twist beyond that. Relationships can be seen as dangerous. Relationships can be seen as treacherous, messy. Any of you notice, right? Relationships can be messy. Snagging. They can be draining, bothering, boring, irritating, petty. Plus, there's some advantages, so it's thought, to being isolated. If I isolate myself, there's some reasons I do it. Uh, first one is, I don't have to put up with your... Uh, you'll have to fill in the blank, okay? I ran out of words there, so whatever word you think fits in there, slot it right in. Right? I don't have to put up with your stuff. I, you bug me. And I, you know what? You, you just go that way, I'll go this way... Peace out. We're good, right? There we go. And the other thing is, I don't have to share my weaknesses. I don't want you to know my weaknesses. I don't want you to know where the stains are and the flaws are and the oopses are. And that. So get, and in the Midwest, this was called, that's my business. Any of you ever grow up with that? That's my business. My mom says that all the time when we're playing cards. What do you got in your hand, mom? That's my business. Right? My mom's a card shark. And... Uh, but the idea of, no, 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 you don't look, you know, don't look past the curtain. Don't ignore the man behind the curtain. I, I don't want you to see back there. Uh, I don't have to show you my sin. 
I don't want you to know where I'm blowing it. I don't, don't go there. That's none of your business. Stay out of my stuff. Also, I don't have to play any cards. I don't want you to know my motives. I don't know you. I don't care, and I don't want you to know why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm just doing it, so deal with it, right? I don't want you to be thinking how I'm thinking and follow me and all that kind of stuff. I don't want you analyzing me, right? And lastly, I don't want to invest in you. I don't even like you. Why would I invest in you? That seems like a pain. I got better things to do in life. I got fun things. You seem like a problem. That would take a lot of time. And like I'm thinking, you know, go find somebody else, you know. And and so I just really kind of sitting there going, you know, I like being isolated. It's it's kind of cool. I get my own options. I keep my own stuff. I get to do my own things. Nobody bugs me. It's kind of good. But there's another side to aloneness. Being alone is not good. I was actually sitting in the doctor's office uh, just uh, two weeks ago and there was a poster on the wall and it said, uh, do life together and live longer. I thought, huh, I was just thinking about that. I got to write this, you know, and I'm thinking I got to write this down and just show you how old school I am. So I thought, wow, I don't have a pen or paper. Never thinking I had a phone in my pocket. I just could have gone click, you know, and used it for a slide, dork. So anyways... I lost the illustration for you, but this whole poster was about how much longer people live who are in relationship with each other and the benefits of being together. And it's really true. If you have people around you, you do a lot better emotionally, health-wise, psychologically, everything, versus if you're a loner. Uh, the, the studies show that if you are alone, you die a lot quicker. It takes a lot more out of you. So being alone, it's not good. It's not good for your health. It's not good for your mind. It's not good for your emotions. Besides that, our emotions can go really wacky if you're the only input you've got. Uh, one of the things that we'll talk about in just a second, but you can be swallowed up by anxiety. Okay? And, and, and trust me, I've watched this happen to a number of people. Uh, once anxiety grabs you, it, it can really take you into a ditch. And it's really tough to get out of. The other thing is... Uh, our own minds to see. Have you ever thought of something, you had a great idea, and you are sitting there to yourself going, oh, this is smoking hot. This is genius. They ought to, they ought to get me on Shark Tank. I mean, this is like, I, I, this is brilliant. Man, the world needs me. And then in a group or something, you share with a buddy what you're thinking, and they go, what in the world are you thinking? Huh? Are you kidding? That's the dumbest. What? And you, right? And you go, oh, well, what was I thinking? Because you realize you were way off track. You had landed on one thing, but you hadn't considered the Lord in the deal at all. And your buddy's going, dude, where did you go on that? Oh, right? So we can really get messed up. Uh, and an idea that sounds really good suddenly can become really weird when you let another person know about it, Right? But there's another place where this is even more intense, and this is in the arena of spiritual warfare. Now, not to get into all of it and that kind of stuff, but spiritual warfare is real. And if you don't think so, just pray for patience this week. All right? Test that little one out. You want a, want a little test? You can do that. But uh, the, the issue in spiritual warfare is that if you're by yourself, if you're a loner, you're easy to pick off. You know... Satan's been around a long time. He's been around 6,000, 8,000 years. He knows stuff that we don't know. 
He picked off Adam and Eve. He picked off Moses. He picked off a number of people that you can think of. King David, one of them. Picked off Peter, one of the inner three disciples. If he can pick those people off, what kind of match are you for him? He knows humans. He knows the chemistry. He knows how to go after them. And when you're out there by yourself, what you're saying is I'm enough to take on all of this stuff that the world dishes out, plus what spiritual warfare brings to it. And I want to suggest to you, you're, you're a sitting duck. Right? And I grew up in Wisconsin, and so uh, my buddy Dave DeBush and I, after high school, we'd get to our house. Our houses were a quarter mile apart. We'd grab our guns and the beagles, and we'd run to the fence between our two places. Then off we'd go. We'd go to the ponds and the creeks and the fields around, and we'd go hunting. And uh, if you're a duck... From a duck's perspective, if there's five of you on a pond and two hunters walk up, you got a shot, right? They might get two of you. Three of you are going to fly away. You might be one of the three that fly away. This good odds, reasonably good odds. If you're the only duck on the pond and two hunters walk up, what are your odds? Bad, right? Because even if one guy's a bad shot, the other guy probably isn't. And so you will get picked off like a sitting duck. That's where that saying comes from. Okay? And the idea there is it's not good to be alone because you become a very easy target. This is a reality for believers. We are much better together than we are alone. And let me give you some reason. When we're talking about community and talking about community groups, let me give you some reasons why we're better together. First of all, community provides a comfortable setting. When we're talking about community groups, you know, for a lot of us, the big box is okay, but some of us are, are not big box people. So we'll be here, we'll, but we're not going to share anything, we're not going to contribute anything, because it's the big box. We do much better in a home. If there's three or four other couples and we're sitting around, we can jump in on that. We feel much more relaxed. Much, a home's much more comfortable than here. And so the setting, it provides a place where we can share. Uh, a community group relieves anxiety. And with all this news and stuff going on, it is fantastic to know on Tuesday night we're going to go meet over at so-and-so's and we can pray about some of this stuff. Man, I've been freaking out inside. How about the rest of you? Can we pray about it? Well, if we tried to do that this morning, uh, uh, right? But if we're in a place where we're in a home, I can do that, right? One of the reasons I can do that is because everybody else is praying. If they're praying, I better say something. Or they know I won't know how to pray, right? Dear God, Father, help, I hope. Yes. Oh, well, you're praying. You know what? You'll get better at it. It'll work. It's, you're opening your heart up. You learn about praying from praying with other people. It brings clarity. Uh, a lot of times, boy, if you've got a situation in your life, you're just like, wow, I don't know what to do with this. And you go to the group and say, hey, we're really facing something. And we just want to share tonight so you guys could pray for us. And you share the situation and somebody says, oh, we went through that. We've been there. We know what that's like. Oh, really? Yeah. And they share and you go, oh, boom. It just like that would have taken you months to get to. And you, you find out in the group and it just clears it up right there. We were just talking. We we're in the process of moving Pam's mom. And there's lots of things you got to know, the ins and outs of Medicare and Medicaid and the house and whether you sell or all these kind of things. And uh, Pam's brother, Rich, went and talked to our cousin, Tracy, who had just been through that twice with his parents. He says, oh, I researched all that. Here's the ins and outs. I'm like, boom, saved us months, right? Uh, That happens in community. It brings clarity. Also expands resources. 
right? And another thing that it does is that uh, teams, uh, teams can do more than individuals can. You got more hands, you got more feet, right? Many hands make light work. And it's true in a community group as well is that when you've got a number of you together and you decide to go do something, it goes really a lot better. So this morning what I want to do is instead of me tell you about that, uh, remember Shannon walked us through in uh, June the uh, art of neighboring, right? And neighboring together and the idea of block parties and, and that kind of stuff. And uh, I want to bring up a community group this morning that actually did one of those and have them tell you their story. So, Amy, where are you? Are you here? Okay. And Matt, you back there? All right. Come on up. Give them a hand. <laughs> Just to note, John dreaded this, Amy's husband, so much he left town on a work assignment <laughs> so he didn't have to do this. I'm just teasing John. John, did you hear this? Listening? Yeah. That's good. So that, Matt's here with me, so that's good. So we're neighbors and um, in a community group as well. And um, so Shannon was talking about doing the block party. And so I thought, oh, that's great. I'd love to get together with people. And so brought the Chews in on this with us. And uh, they live kind of in the center of where we were going to do things in a nice flat spot rather than our hill where we live. So um, so um, we also got another neighbor that's new next door to the Chews, and she is a great Christian lady and was willing to help me put it all together. So we made um, invitations, and then um, Matt and myself and the kids helped us pass them out door to door. And I actually had one lady that's up the street from us drive past our driveway, pull back, open her window, and say, hey, were you the one that brought my husband the invitation to the block party the other night? And I said, yeah, that was me. And, uh, excuse me, she said, that's great. We'd love to come. I think that's a great idea. And they've been living in our neighborhood for about four years, and I think I just met them like a year ago. So um, just she was really excited about it and other neighbors, you know, looking forward to it. Um, So my prayer beforehand was from Psalm 115.1, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Um, so the day came and we did it right at the end of summer because I thought, well, if we do it right before school starts, we might get more people um, that are around and not on vacation. So we were bringing out the grills and we had Matt and John and my friend Holly's husband out in the grill. And just as we were kind of getting the you know tables organized, I had um, someone come up and say, now, are you going to do this again next year? This is great. We should do this again. So just really told us that people are starving. They want community and they are excited about it. Um, we had probably about 100 people show up, so that was a lot. <laughs> we had no idea how many people were going to actually come, but we invited about half of the, well, probably three-quarters of the lower part of our neighborhood. So we were excited that people wanted to come and, um, and join us. Um, we had you know, people talking, old neighbors that hadn't seen each other for a while, meeting a lot of the new neighbors that we had move in, um, people talking about their interests. Like I was saying at the, at the end, people were talking about we have our garage door open and John's got his woodworking tools in there. And some guy was like, hey, I noticed when I drive by, I see that you're working with wood. And hey, I, I like to do that too. And um, so just making great connections. Um, kids running around and people saying, well, I knew there was a lot of kids. There must be kids in this neighborhood, but I never see them. So they were all there. And um, the next day was the first day of school. So it was great because the families got connected and we went out to the bus the next morning. You know, kids knew each other and um, were able to say hi to one another and get on the bus and feel more comfortable and kind of form a, you know, all the parents that are waiting 
anxiously for school. Um, so, um, and then at the very end, just people willing to help us clean up and can we help you take stuff to your house, putting tables in and um, it was great and something I didn't share last service that we um, had some leftover things from Rubier Float. So the next weekend we said, hey, let's invite a few people over and we borrowed the Choose Campfire and in our backyard had some of the neighbors over and I felt comfortable to go up to some people and just knock on their door and say, I don't know if you have anything going on tonight, but come and hang out in our backyard. And when you have a fire pit, I think it brings more people together too. So, um, and uh, a verse that I really like um, in Acts 17 um, 1726 says from one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him though he is not far from each one of us so just knowing that God has us in the right time and the right place for us to be um, and the Chews, sadly, are going to be moving away from our neighborhood, but we know that God has plans for them in Richmond Beach and a whole new community. So just really relying on the truth of God's word that he has you planted where he wants you to be for the time that you're there. Sure. Um, so I've had the idea of the block party p- pitched to me for decades through all the churches I've ever been involved with. And I always just kind of, ah, it's just a hassle or you just don't want to do it. And I know many of you have had this idea planted in your heads before. Um, There are those of us that have been gifted kind of more with the social side of things, right? My wife actually is not, and I don't think her is not, right? So I encourage you guys that are gifted in that to just, hey, just do it. Um, And I was amazed. Like I said, maybe 20% of the people will come, right? But it was like hundreds of, or not hundreds, but over 100 people came. And... uh, and just the, the, in my head, the other thing that also started, uh, that, that I realized was, you know, um, God, throughout all of history, how did he take the Israelite people and bring the notion of the gospel or the one true God to the world? Well, he had them move around the, the desert, and he ran into, you know, pag- pagan cultures. And it wasn't anything specific other than people interacting with these other cultures. So kind of in our little metaphor there, right? That's all it is, right? That's the God continuing his method. The church is certainly one, but I think for myself, the conviction was my own neighborhood, right? So what I've seen since uh, the block party was uh, my depth of conversation with the people walking their dogs or whatever is just at another place. I literally could go and say, hey, why don't you come to... um, just what Amy did, hey, we're going to have a, you know, roast some marshmallows. I could do that. Uh, there was one, one gentleman, we exchanged um, contact information, and he wants to play spike ball with my sons, right? It just, these things would have never happened. And we've kind of earned the right to have additional conversations. So, um, so for those of you that are more socially minded, just do it, right? It's just, you know, and God will take it and run with it. And those that are less socially minded, you'll follow along with it and do your part. And, you know, God, God just keeps moving. So it was awesome. Good. Thanks so much, guys. Give them a hand for sharing. In our neighborhood, what we do is uh, we actually held a Brock party. And I tell you, we, we just pull the cars out, park them on the street, and we put our fire pit out there. It's just amazing how many people show up when there's a fire pit out in the driveway. And we throw all the chairs out, and we'll either have schmores or 
uh, we'll pull the grill out and have hot dogs. And we had uh, 45 show up at ours. So, I mean, it, 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 it's really attractive. By the way, one uh, date's coming up now that works really well for this, and that's Halloween, right? Put the pit out there, talk it, people out, sit around, and you'll meet all your neighbors, right? I mean, as they come through, just have something set up and spend some time. So there's some ideas for you. All right, a couple other things. Uh, community groups offer protection. Uh, when when you're uh, anxious, nervous, afraid, all those kind of things, it's really nice to know you got some posse. It's really nice to know there's some people who care about you and they'll ride the trail with you. It's really nice to know you got some people who will specifically pray for you. Man, dude, look, my job, I'm in trouble. I'm not sure how this is going to go. Would you guys pray? And then come back and say, man, look, here's what happened. And thank you for praying. That's a huge thing. The other one is that it models the Trinity. Uh, I'm thinking about doing a miniseries just on the Trinity simply because that's something that you don't hear much about anymore. But... uh, God himself models community. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Same value, different roles. And so united that they form one person. Right? And, and it's an incredible deal to think about the type of community the Trinity experiences among itself. Not stained by sin, not stained by corruption like, like our world is. That sort of deal. We'll get into that more later. But here's the last one. It can be a lot of fun. Did you catch that in Matt and Amy's voice? They were like, this is a kick. This is a hoot. We had no idea two people would show up. A hundred? Well, what do we do? And I mean, you know, they just had a lot of fun doing that. And that makes your neighborhood and that kind of stuff. Well, it can make church fun, right? You, some of the best times in church are not here on Sunday morning. There can be great stuff on Sunday morning. Don't, don't get me wrong. The Lord can use that in a tremendous way. But some of the best types of community are when you have a small group and you're in your home and you might have a fire pit on the back or some of you cook certain things that are specialties or or somebody's a funny storyteller and you just have the time of your lives together being in communion. What I'm trying to say is isolation leaves you hanging. Don't be isolated. Here's four things that community groups are built on and then we'll wrap this up. First of all, if you're in a community group, what would be involved? Number one would be participating in the Word. Uh, just be in the Word together, whether it's going off of the Sunday sermon or whether it's doing a Bible study. The Word is our anchor. The Word is our foundation. And so uh, the, we're participating in not just the Word, but the living Word uh, in, in community groups. Secondly, participating in prayer. Like I said, if you're sitting there in a small group and uh, everybody else is praying, you start praying too. right? And you get better at it. And there's no better place for a husband and wife to pray than in a community group. There's no better place for single people to pray than in a community group. Why? Because you know the needs. You understand it. You know how to pray for each other. Single people know how to pray for single people because they're experiencing all the same stuff. Married people know how to pray for married people. Why? Because they're experiencing all the same stuff. You can take your hand and you can pray and it provides a tremendous deal for your marriage. Third thing is that is participating in story. One of the things, and I keep pushing this and we've got to get better at it, is to know the stories of the people here that are next to you. There are miracle stories in this room. I mean, bona fide, you would be, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me type of stories in this room. Pam and I became very aware of this as we traveled through Africa and Europe. My, my one question was, tell me your story. And these stories, like, you've got to be kidding me, Right? 
And that's true here as well. There are miracle stories of how Jesus found some of you in this room. And we don't know the story, so we're not impressed. You know, I, I remember one time a guy came into my office and he was uh, mad because there was this old guy in the parking lot and uh, he was moving too slow and, and he was being too careful and da-da-da-da. Uh, I said, do you know who that old guy is? He goes, what do you mean? I said, that old guy you're mad at. I said, do you know who he is? Oh, it's, it's, he even knew his name, such and such. I said, okay, do you know his story? No, all right, here's your job this week. Your job is to go out. Your job is to take that man to lunch and ask him to tell you his life story. It turned out that he was one of the uh, original um, uh, flyers. You know, the um, uh, I've lost my illustration. Um, what's the name of the movie? All the Right Stuff. Yeah. Right? Is that it? With Gordon Cooper and all those guys, the, the Apollo program and all that stuff, his name was Rev Allender. He was one of the original X-15 fighter pilots and flew the X-1. And the guy came back going, I had no idea. And I said, yeah, I know you didn't. <laughs> yeah, SR-70, yeah. I asked him one time, how, how, how long did that take you to fly from Colorado to San Diego? Quick. How fast you go? Fast. It doesn't give you any. But sometimes there are people around and we have no idea. We just don't know the story. And then the last one, sorry for losing that, participating in service. A group can do something together and it bonds you in incredible ways because you experience the event together, right? You go and help somebody. You go do a work project in the community. You go clean somebody's yard up, that kind of stuff. Man, you come back to church. Wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that great to do together? You know? If you're just on your computer all the time, it's you and your computer. Wasn't that awesome? Yeah, MSN really spoke to me. Yeah, No. Okay? MSN speaks lies. Okay, so... You got to... The idea of participating together. Get out of the seat. Grab a group of people and do something. So here's the, here's the ask this morning. What we want is we want our church to be broken into community groups. As we go through birth pangs... As you see these things happening, you've got to have a group, right? You've got to have some people you know you can call and you know that they're close to you. And so the need for Christian community is only going to grow as things get worse. And there may come a time when we aren't able to meet as a church even and we will be broken into small groups and that's the only way we'll be able to survive. And so you might as well start now to have those who ride with you have posse, have people who walk the trail of life with you, to have a group you can count on. So the goal is, or the ask is, join a group this fall. If you haven't, join a group and you say, well, none of the groups, I don't like any of the groups. Okay, start a group. (laughs) What? Yeah, start a group. Sit in your head and go, hey, who's three or four of the couples in church we really like? Who who do we want to hang out with? Go and ask them if they'd join your community group. You're in a community? No, I'm just starting one. You call John and I, John Templin. Wave your hand there, John. There you go. And, uh, and call us. We'll help you set up the group. We'll tell you how to run it. We'll help you with small group dynamics. We'll help put it together. And you can start a community group with people you really want to be with. You don't have to pull your teeth out to do this. It can be a lot of fun. But we're going to need each other. And so the ask this morning is don't go through the fall alone. Don't be isolated. Do not be a sitting duck out on a pond. Let's put up some resistance. Let's have some fun. Let's be in a group together. That makes sense to us?
All right, let's pray. Father, as we talk about this, the ask now is before you to just confirm and validate this and, and put it on people's hearts that this is something from you, not just something that Pastor Steve is saying, but actually something from you. Like Matt, he had blown off the idea of block parties for, literally he told me the first service, decades. He just thought it was a dumb idea. Couldn't figure out why people were pushing it. And then when they did theirs, it just opened up. He realized he was on the wrong side of that equation. And I thank you so much for him coming up this morning to share that. Lord, we could be on the wrong side of the equation about isolation too. We may think we're actually strong and protected when the truth is we're really fragile and really in danger. Lord, may you help us uh, recognize that. And I pray that there will be people here who say, well, yeah, who would be three or four couples that we really like that we'd like to hang out with and and get some new groups formed that uh, become the backbone and strength of what you're doing here at Northview. We pray for your life in that. We ask this in your name. Amen.